0: Hi, thanks for listening to our sermon podcast, Second on the Mount. I'm George Anderson, minister at Second Presbyterian in Roanoke, Virginia. I do not take it for granted that people sit in the pews on Sunday morning or listen to these podcasts hoping to hear something that connects them to God, to each other, to the world. And so I spend hours seeking the right word for the right time and said in the right way. I welcome your feedback. I encourage your sharing this sermon with anyone it might benefit. I hope you'll return to this podcast again or come visit us for worship. We'd be happy to have you. Today, as I often do, it'll be a while before I read the passage into the sermon. Let us pray.
1: Holy God, we ask that by your word we be informed, but more, formed within. Amen. The course of my preaching was set in seminary when I read Fred Craddock's
0: book, Overhearing the Gospel. While I hope my preaching has improved over the years, I am still guided by the insights of a book that I read four decades ago. And I'll never forget the first line. A Kierkegaard quote, that Craddock used as the text for his whole book. There's no lack of information in a Christian land. Something else is lacking. And that is a something which the one cannot directly communicate to the other. I needed to hear that. I was a recent graduate of college where I majored in philosophy and drama, and I took those philosophy classes
1: seriously. I earned A's because I had this idea that I could think my way to God
0: and that I could think my way to being the kind of person that I thought I should be. But having graduated, I found that I was still trying to figure out God and still trying to be the kind of person I felt God wanted me to be. And I had to face it, that faith, is not an intellectual achievement. I mean, knowledge matters, of course. Faith needs to be informed. But faith itself
1: is something that is informed, formed within. The same could be said of virtue. Virtues need to be learned, but by the heart, not by the head.
0: Now, knowledge matters, of course, but knowing is not living. I think scouting at its best illustrates what I mean. We have an all girls boy scout troop here at Second Presbyterian Church. And those girls memorize and recite what I once memorized and can still recite that a scout is, and I invite scouts who are here to say it with me if you like a scout is trustworthy, loyal, helpful. Friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. You can't earn a single rank in scouting without memorizing that list. And yet good scout leaders know that the boys or girls in their troops don't become those things simply by memorizing those words. Scouts won't become those things even if they did a deep dive study into what each word means. Something else is lacking, and it is something which the one cannot directly communicate to the other.
1: And so what do scouts do instead? They attend scout meetings regularly. They learn to tie knots
0: correctly. They prepare for hikes and camping out and then doing them. They learn to cook. They learn to start a fire. They leave a place better than they find it. They practice skills until they earn merit badges, and they watch and learn from scouts who have been around longer and have a higher rank. They probably learned more than that, but only made second class. When scouting happens as it's supposed to happen, virtues are learned and character is formed. Through practice and habits, so that a day comes when what is memorized and said by a 10-year-old girl or boy so as to be allowed to become a scout is said about a young woman or a young man who has earned the rank of eagle. He is trustworthy and loyal, helpful, courteous, kind, friendly. She is obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean
1: and reverent. Today is January 1, and a tradition of this day is to make resolutions. Is it
0: possible to resolve to be one of those virtues that you just heard? Or how about one of those virtues listed by the Apostle Paul when in the letter to the church in Corinth, he lists the spiritual gifts? Is it possible to, in 2023, resolve to show more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness,
1: faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Memorize that list, and you'll know a list. But knowing is not
0: being. The Apostle Paul understood that about himself. He famously said, I don't do the things that I know to be good, but I do the very things that I know to be wrong." There was no lack of information for Paul. Something else was lacking when he fell short of what he knew to be good and right, and it was something that one cannot directly communicate to the other. And knowing this about himself and knowing this about others, when Paul writes to the church in Philippi to encourage them to grow in their faith, the first thing he encourages is not that they learn more, though he certainly wants them to learn,
1: It's not the first thing, though. Listen. And this is my prayer, that your love
0: may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you to determine what really matters, so that in the day of Christ, you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, for the glory and praise of God
1: the word of the Lord. First thing is love. Paul says to love. Isn't that nice? Makes you want to say, aww. Until you really listen to what Paul says. He's not calling for love, but a particular kind
0: of love, a kind of love for what really matters so that the Philippians can be more pure and blameless and produce more a harvest of what is right.
1: You see, we have to be careful about what we love because everyone loves. What is it that a dictator loves? What is it that
0: Hitler or Stalin, loved? What is it that the gambler whose family is in financial turmoil loves? What is it that the gamer loves when family, study and hygiene are ignored? If one of your resolutions this year is to read a book on faith, you might think about reading a book that James K.A. Smith wrote called, You Are What You Love. Smith explains what more and more researchers of the brain and what more and more psychologists and anthropologists are trying to tell us. If we can get past being literal about what biologically is the head and what is the heart and go back to what is being said metaphorically about the noggin that learns and the heart that loves, then we can hear what both modern researchers and ancient sages are saying to us about head and heart knowledge and intuition,
1: thinking and believing, knowing and loving. And they would tell you that I just got everything backwards. In general, for the most part, it is the heart
0: that leads the head. It is intuition that leads to our knowing. It is believing that guides how we think. It is what we love that inspires what we learn. Brain specialists, psychologists, and anthropologists say this is true for every last one of us, believers and atheists, scientists and artists, workaholics, welfare abusers, and all those work-balanced people that I would love to be a part of one day. All of us, it is true of all of us that our devotions become who we
1: are. Now, as I said, ancient sages said this a long time ago. Consider St. Augustine who
0: said, Our hearts are restless till they find their rest in you. This is Augustine's famous prayer found in his confessions. Without the benefit of science or psychology, Augustine got it right about how we tick. And after him, John Calvin got it right when he said that our hearts are factories of idols. And if I can jump over the Enlightenment to today, consider how the aforementioned Smith puts it. He says that the heart
1: is an erotic compass. That sounds sexy, but Smith didn't mean it that way. He means that we
0: human beings, we are wired to love. We don't have any choice but to love. And it's the heart that directs life. So training the heart is the key to becoming those things that Paul described as fruits of the Spirit.
1: And how is the heart trained? How are virtues learned? Not by head learning, by heart learning. And habits are what train the heart. Actually, it's a two-way street. Habits are what reveal the heart too. To diagnose what people truly
0: love, don't listen to what they say. Do an audit of their habits.
1: Those who listen to music, I bet they love to listen to music. (laughs) You don't need to tell them. They don't need to tell you
0: that they love it. They show you that they love it. Those who love to play music, play it. Those who love gaming, game. Those who love drinking, or at least whatever it is that drinking does for them, drink. Those who are in love with themselves, practice being selfish. Those who love being generous are generous. Habits reveal the heart's hungers. And if you want to change the hunger, say lust for power at the cost of the good or lust for pleasure at the cost of responsibility, then the heart needs to be recalibrated by changing habits with the hope, not the assurance can't be assured, but with the hope that
1: the heart learns to love that to which the habits are directed. I don't want to lose you.
0: I know that some of you might have stayed up past what is bedtime for Millie and me on New Year's night, which is 9 p.m., and maybe you ate and drank something that was not the best prep for your listening to a sermon, so I'll stop with theory, and I'll give some illustrations that I think make some obvious sense. Sports. I try not to do too many sports illustrations. I have to remind myself that not everyone appreciates how historic and inspiring it was that my 10- and 11-year-old girls' soccer team won the Mississippi State Championship, and not everyone appreciates the lessons of that profound documentary that is The Last Dance.
1: I'll at least keep it short. Knowing the rules of baseball, knowing the different pitches that pitchers throw
0: or the advisable Outfield alignments when a certain batter comes to play, even understanding the infield fly rule, which I don't understand, does not a baseball player make. Knowing's important, but a baseball player is formed through practice and habits. Child rearing. Ancient wisdom about child rearing is exemplified by the proverb that says, Raise up the child in the way the child should go, the way that the child should go. A child's mind needs knowledge, but to educate the child's heart and character and faith is a different thing. It's about instilling habits. Those habits may not at first be what the child wants to do, but they are the best way of directing the child's heart toward that which the habits point. You learn to love cleanliness by being clean kindness by being kind, responsibility by being responsible, forgiveness by forgiving. The only way all the virtues listed by Paul are learned is by their practice.
1: Smith has an interesting way of describing habits. He calls them liturgies.
0: He calls them liturgies because they are practices designed to direct hearts toward desires. And just as liturgy in worship is designed to draw our hearts and minds toward God, so too do the habits of our
1: lives draw us toward our hearts' devotions. I get what Smith is saying, but so that I don't sound
0: preacherly, I'm going to suggest a different image, and that is a habit house. A structure of habits is built around what we love, and by maintaining that structure, we love what we love even more. That's why those who love family are wise to build a habit house around family, build routine and chores and traditions and plan time around devotion to family. And sadly, when family is taken for granted and those habits are neglected, the heart can be redirected away. So it is with God. Learning to love God and love what is of God takes practice. So those who love God build a habit house of spirituality. They build routines, chores, traditions, and plan time around practicing the virtues that are of God. And sadly,
1: when God is taken for granted and those habits are redirected, the heart can be directed away. I wish I had chosen Habit House for my sermon title, or maybe Habit for
0: Humanity, but that's the problem with having to provide a Sunday sermon title on Wednesday. But here is why I chose the title, A Different Kind of Resolution. If most resolutions are about doing something good,
1: how would you make a resolution about some way of being good? Choose a virtue. What kind of habit house can you build around that virtue? This being Sunday and this
0: place being a sanctuary, I have no hesitation in urging those who want to find direction by following Jesus to be intentional in building a habit house around love of God which means regular worship. Of course, sadly, this is a New Year's Day attendance Sunday, so I'm talking to people who already get that, but I'm saying it anyway. Yes, learn, though, to love what Christians should learn,
1: but become. Worship weekly, pray daily, give generously. I would encourage the
0: disciplines of the church, but not because the church is the point. Becoming is the point. Becoming those described by Paul's fruits of the spirits is the point. So resolve yourself to habits. Show kindness to learn to love being kind. Be empathetic to learn to love others for who they are. Be generous to learn to love being generous. Forgive regularly to learn to love reconciliation to resolve to be a better person, okay, this being the church, to resolve being a better Christian is to build and maintain the habits of doing what Jesus did among us.
1: And so to learn to love as Jesus loved and to know God as Jesus knew God. We have set before us a habit a practice, a discipline, we
0: have set before us a table to which we return over and over again to remember who we are as a church family, to be reminded of our chores, to tell our stories, so that we might leave that table nourished in the habit of giving ourselves to others as Christ gave himself to us.
1: Second Presbyterian Finding Direction by Following Jesus